You know why I'm so passionate about music to code by? Because it works. I'm still getting a steady stream of success stories from developers just like you who sail effortlessly through hours of coding. There's only one problem. They can't get enough. Well, not only are we up to track 13, but you can download them all in one shot for a new low price. The collection was 54 bucks just a little while ago, still only a little more than 4 bucks a track, but now you can get all 13 for only 39 bucks. That's only 3 bucks a track. Yeah, that's more like it. 325 minutes of pure bliss. Go get it now at collection.musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1359, with guest Lindsay Allen. Recorded Tuesday, September 27th, 2016. Hi, welcome to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And I'm Richard Campbell. And we're at Microsoft Ignite. We are in Atlanta. Yeah, we rarely get to do this, not only face-to-face, but on camera. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun. It's <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, Lindsay Allen is here. We're going to be talking to you in just a minute. But first, we have this little thing that we do called You Better Know a Framework. Nice. <laughs> That was actually be about the framework this time? No. <laughs> no. So Better Know Framework started as this bit where I dive into a little piece of the .NET framework. It's called .NET Rocks, although we do we talk about anything. We talk about more JavaScript these days than .NET. Don't True. We? Uh, and SQL Server, obviously. But it sort of morphed into me just finding really cool things out there on the Internet. Yep. And this one was sent in. Uh, by uh, uh, a Twitter account, at Structed. Uh, and this is, if you go to 1359.pwop, P-W-O-P dot M-E, because mm-hmm. this is show 1359, then uh, you'll go to this tool called the Link, L-I-N-K, mm-hmm. Shell Extension. So uh, this, the story is the NTFS file system implemented in NT4, Windows 2000, Windows XP, XP64 and Windows 7, 8, and 10, yeah. of course, supports a facility known as Hard Links, mm-hmm. uh, which provide the ability to keep a single copy of a flat file, yet have it appear in multiple folders or directories. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I thought when I first looked at this, what the heck do I need that for? Except, you know, I, I have a terabyte drive. Yeah, why would you do that? Right. Just make copies. So... This person uh, at Structed said it helped me move my Visual Studio cache to another partition. Interesting. So, you know, you have a a limited space on your C drive. Right. You know where else I thought this might be good? Mm -hmm. It would be in an Azure VM. Oh, interesting. Because, as you know, some of the older VMs, like ours, actually... Has a, have a limited system drive size. Right. And there's all sorts of files that you can move just with the regular Windows stuff, but some things are big and you can't actually move them. Right. So you copy them to uh, an, another drive. Right. And then you 
hard link back. Hard link back. Save space on the C drive. Saves. App doesn't need to know that it's actually been moved. And Works it, the same. That's right. And to the and to the apps and everything at the application level, it looks like the file's right there. Awesome. Isn't that cool? That but you know cool. what's weird? What would be weird yeah. is when you change one f- the file in one place yeah. and changes in the other place. Because it's only in one place, so actually. You, so it's kind of dangerous, right? Yeah. You really have to be careful. You need to be aware of that. <laughs> yeah, That's a exactly. good find, man. I love it. I thought it was pretty good. Cool. So uh, you have a comment... I do grabbed a comment off of show 1302, which you recorded back in May of 2016 with our friend Oren Eni. Yeah. We were talking about data storage and, you know, we went all over the place in that show, right? Yeah. Talking about a lot of different aspects of data storage. And Stephen Ball had this comment. He said, Richard, your comment about XML in a text field hit way too close to home for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I am currently neck deep in a project that involves searching a SQL Server database for all known references to a particular entity in order to ensure that the entity can safely be marked as inactive. I stumbled upon a table with an NVARCAR max column. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. So that's like 6,000 or 8,000 characters. It's yeah. like it's a huge, huge column. And it contained untyped XML blobs, each around 4,000 lines with nesting into the eighth layer in some spots. Ugh, I've had nightmares me. like this. Hey, I got some uh, good news for you there. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. The long story and several code revisions short, I have to undertake the time-consuming process of converting each XML blob into a proper XML data type before searching the data, when all of this could have been avoided by just making the XML column type in the first place. But keep up the good work and keep those discussions about the programming scars. Yeah. Because you are just witnessing Stephen getting a new scar right right. now. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much for your comment. The .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. Because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. And send us a tweet. We store them in XML text fields. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Please uh, don't. Okay. Well, uh, we would like to uh, introduce Lindsay Allen right now. Uh, Lindsay is a group program manager for SQL Azure, SQL Server 2016, and SQL Server Core Engine. Prior to that, she was lead architect and manager of Azure Data Customer Advisory Team, focusing on end-to-end solution design and optimization for strategic Microsoft customers, such as IoT-connected cars and hospitals, mission-critical transactional and data warehouse systems, real-time monitoring systems with streaming analytics. And in the 21 years working at Microsoft, Lindsay architected and optimized some of the largest and most complex mission-critical systems in the world. Thank wow. you, Carl. We are not worthy. Yeah, it's, no. It's yeah. a mouthful, sorry. We're, we're, wow. I think we are amongst the SQL deity at this moment. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> First of all, any comment on the XML field woe? Uh, so, the, uh, uh, in order for enable application like such, you actually have to search the entire um, table yes. to look for something and run into NVARCAR Max. Yeah. So, we have column store now, right? Yeah. Column store didn't support blob. And the column store will support a blob pretty soon. This means what column store does is you can do this scan. Yeah. It's index, scan really fast. A table scan. Table scan. That's what it's designed for. But it's a very, it's a column store, so it's a very lean, efficient table. Very lean and compressed. uh, The compression ratio is very high Mm -hmm. and we'll have compressed blob in there. And, uh, so with, uh, with the new feature coming up soon and, uh, you will be able to scan that, uh, 
big table, we cannot index the blob, so, and yeah. really fast. Does that mean SQL Server can be used as a NoSQL database? And depends what NoSQL is, right? There's yeah, like a, a document. There's not database. only SQL, mm -hmm. yeah. right? That's no. pretty cool. So, I wouldn't say use it for, no, no, no. it's relational. Yeah. We support beyond relational. Yeah. So, we support beyond relational. We have JSON data now. We mm -hmm. have a JSON tag. We have XML, of course, so you have to bind a schema. Yep. JSON, there is no schema, uh, no yeah. schema, right? And if you just have lots of data, you just want for data warehouse, um, the chances of data warehouse query is scanning is very high. Right. Either range scan or just complete table scan. Yeah, because right? you're looking at all the data anyway. You're making these big aggregates. Exactly. And for machine learning, you're doing scan. You, mm -hmm. Actually, for machine learning, you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, right? so you look at everything. You look at right. everything. So that's why the column story, memory column story is super important. Yeah, I know. And uh, all our top benchmarks, you see actually only SQL Server published benchmark now. If yeah. you go out and look at TPCH, no other vendor does it anymore. And uh, I mean, the core vendors, right? O Oracle hasn't published TPCH for a long time. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. you know, it used to be a big thing constantly, the TPCC numbers back yeah. in the day, yeah. but now it's TPCH, like shows it's a data warehouse. Yeah. So yeah, folks are just not doing those numbers anymore. Just, I, I don't think it's the same kind of competition, really. Right. So so the, um, the largest single node in the TPCH benchmark is 30 terabytes published by SQL Server. Right. When we released the SQL Server 2016. Yeah. That was how big? It's a 30 terabytes benchmark. Right. And uh, then uh, uh, at this event, in our general session yesterday, we invited Intel on stage with us, mm -hmm. with our CVP, uh, Joseph Sharouche. And we worked with Intel at that time we launched. We actually uh, published a white paper. We did performance testing and uh, 100 terabytes. Wow. 100 terabytes That's is a lot of data. Did. It is a lot. Guess what? It's on four socket server. Wow. Four so, socket server. Just wow. four cores. Or not four, four cores, sockets. but four sockets. Yeah. Four socket server and 100 terabytes. And presumably the Intel. Intel. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's Intel. The, one of the reasons we didn't publish benchmark is it won't go through lots of certification. It takes a long time to certify. Sure. The reason yeah. we only published the 30 terabytes, that took us a long time to certify. Just is so, so much yeah. work. I yeah. find myself seriously outclassed right here because I'm a SQL Server user. Okay. And I've written a fair number of store procedures in my life. And when I have to get into all the crazy joints, I call this guy. Okay. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm in the middle of SQL Server, like serious geeks here. Okay, so awesome. So I'm going to, you know, just ask one question, which Go is, what is HTAP? What's HTAP? So SQL Server, when we started it, we actually, by 2016, we called this feature operational analytics. Interesting. We debated a while and said, what should we call it? I said, I didn't quite like operational analytics. It sounds it, like... It, it doesn't necessarily describe anything. Exactly. Yeah. So then... Uh, um, Gartner started naming it HTAB, Hybrid Transactional Analytics Processing. Okay. HTAB. And since it's Gartner, the name is starting to taking shape, right? <laughs> so everybody calling it HTAB. HTAB. And uh, so what it is really is, people have been doing for 30 years. You know, you, you don't have pure data warehouse, very few. Right. And you don't have pure OLTP database, very few. You run you write big application, you always do some sort of query on it. Yeah. And right. There's, you're doing some insert, you do some query. And with the TPC, C, and E, we try to keep the um, uh, large query minimum. Mm -hmm. So it's doing 2080 writes. Um, and, uh, um, but in real life, depends on the 
application type. Some of those actually runs quite complex mm-hmm. queries. And for example, fraud detection, very typical thing, right? And you yeah. want to make it as real time as possible, right? Precisely. As the transaction is happening, you want to do the fraud detection. Exactly. Right. When you actually load your data to somewhere else, mm-hmm. do fraud detection, you lost a bunch of money already, yeah. right? Because if there's a, you get hacked by bots, right? Yep. You don't want to wait. And even the data loading synchronization really fast, you're still talking about minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Right. We have some large financial company. They putting all they put all out with hardware everything right they can load still in minutes mm. and the data will be stale in minutes right sure. then you go back and try to retrofit so if you can run that analytics query fraud detection always scanning everything right, right? on the transaction data store it's real time as the transaction are happening as the, transaction the, lens yeah I, I worked with a group that was dealing with with credit card fraud yeah. and one of the things they saw is when a credit card got stolen they'll the thief will try a small transaction first, yeah. a couple of dollars. Right. And yes. if that works, then they'll do a larger transaction yes. and then a larger transaction. Yes. And that became a profile to watch for. Yeah. And it literally, Matt, you know, you can save a lot of money if you can figure out this profile by the third transaction and cut off the card. You know what? Precisely. Those, some real non-thieves mm-hmm. implementing a payment system will do that just yep. to test by the mistake. system. A dollar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And... So, so how do you tell the difference between? I think I think that's absolutely an interesting problem. But the idea that with all this transaction flowing around all the time, to be able to catch on quickly enough to stop fraud. I mean, yeah, we travel a lot, yeah, and so often I have my credit card blocked because they're like, "Are you really in Romania?" Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm actually in Romania. <laughs> okay, and then they open it back up again. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm kind of happy with that kind of security, right? That oh, you've noticed I'm doing something unusual, right? Uh, and it's it's just, but it's interesting. It's super easy for us as data people to do a sort of a batch processing mindset. At the end of the day, let's do some analysis then. And now the crime's already been committed. Like you've kind of missed your opportunity to minimize harm. Exactly. So real-time analytics is really where this shines, I guess. Yes. So I guess that makes it a great candidate for IoT, doesn't it? Because a lot of IoT systems, you're not storing temperature data, sensor data for very long anyway. And it'd be very nice to just be able to say, oh, analysis right there. I noticed some change. Let's make our appropriate alerts, do whatever we need to do. Yeah. And then. Uh, Absolutely. So so the um, the challenge traditionally, I'm sure you're aware, um, even all the application would like to run the analytics and the transaction on the same database. They right. always fight with each other, yeah. right? Yeah. They're causing congestion, causing blocking, and uh, then your uh, transaction workload suffers, right? right. You want to be able to write lots of transactions all the time at yeah. velocity, yes. and then you have come up with this big monster query that locks the whole table up. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So um, traditionally, all the, all the actually relational database implemented, either through versioning log or... Mm-hmm. Uh, have the synchronization, right? You have to log because the one, one thing database does really well is keep your data, the data consistent, right? right. The yeah. asset property yeah, of your kind transaction. Of the important part. Very important, <laughs> especially you care about your data, really, really care about your data, right? Well, uh, I only care about it to be right. Right. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, uh, it's if you just want to write your transaction really fast, you don't really care. Yeah. Don't it even have to write be accurate. it. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's really fast. You can scale out anywhere. It doesn't really matter, right? To either, right? As may long not, as you don't bother writing it. Yeah. Yeah. It may not turns come out, back the really, way it is. <laughs> It's really cheap to do it that way. <laughs> exactly. Really cheap to do it that way. Yeah. So but there's it, a benefit there. 
Yeah, it's a simple question. Ask yourself, you want the data goes in and come out the same way yeah. <laughs> you want the database, right? It's crazy talk. It's <laughs> crazy talk. So, um, so when all these uh, synchronization objects starting blocking these transactions, right? right? And uh, it's causing a problem. That's why this, this architecture of replicating data um, to another data mart just to do analytics yes. is very traditional, right? And, and uh, this is like with replication? As each rep- transaction is coming, you make a copy of it to rep- another store? Yes. Okay. In all sorts of technology. What you can replicate all sorts of ways. Every mm-hmm. vendor have some sort of replication, right? right? And but the causing this delay, not real time, mm-hmm. and because of performance problem. With SQL Server 2016, what we did is we don't have separate product called column store, row store, or in memory even in memory row store. They all in the same core engine. They actually together. Right. They are different storage underlying different storage, but on the surface, when you create a table, when you write query. Same syntax, same interface. So really in the same engine. Oh, wow. So that's why we can actually do HTAB really well. Mm. So you just need to create column store uh, storage. We call it index, which is a storage. Right. And on your transaction row store. So when you write the query, query optimizer actually knows. When you're actually doing these large scan, we're actually going to scan the, and the column store. Instead of wow. attaching the row store, that's why they don't actually lock wow. in the same object. There's safe. It's literally storage. a copy. It literally is copy. That's interesting. Now that's and so brilliant and so easy that yeah. even I understand it. <laughs> well, Great, that, you, you hinted this earlier on when we were first talking about Column Store trying to solve Stephen Ball's problem. Yeah. They tend to be in memory as well. Yes. Because it's you have your reliable transactional, your acid copy in the row. So you don't really need to do that with the column store. Right. So with the column store, um, so the memory allocation of a column store is we try to tend to grab lots of memory. Yes. Right. Well, so generally we try speaking, SQL Server likes to grab memory. That's I, why we use 24, 24 terabytes. Actually, right. you can Yes. Ram. Yeah, because Windows 2016 support 24 terabytes. Wow. Initially, That's a lot of RAM. We wanted 32. They said uh, they 12. Now they announced that they will support 24. Okay. We got all excited. So we booted up and the SQL will grab all 24 terabytes. <laughs> I, I only have wow. one machine with 24 terabytes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's got to cost a couple of dollars too. That's not yes. an inexpensive chunk of RAM. This yeah. reinforces my original statement. How much memory does SQL Server want? Oh, more. Anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All. <laughs> correct. This, the very impressive is this is a contiguous memory allocation. Oh, wow. 24 terabytes. 24 wow. terabytes. We'll grab all of it. Wow. And uh, so uh, in order for a column store to run fast, need to be in memory. Yes. But since data warehouse actually is terabytes, 100 terabytes, right? Mm-hmm. So we allow it to be paged out. We will move as much as we can in memory. Right. But it doesn't fit. It will get paged out. And it's actually can play really well. With regular buffer pool, the row store need to be there too, right? right. That we need to be friends, right? So, mm-hmm. and also in memory or TP as well. That's all we need to be in memory. Yes. This all in our very complex memory manager will move everything in memory. Um, so, when column store all in memory runs really fast, but then back to the question, you know, the transaction uh, is every row at a time, yep. right? Column store, we actually have row segment a million row at a time. So we do compression a million rows at a time. A million rows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So column store, if you have uh, less than a billion rows, you won't see the performance difference. The row store is really fast. You won't even notice. Yeah, you need to go more than a billion rows. So That's we, why for our demo, I need to go more than a billion rows. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this, it, this is a, a multi-terabyte problem. Like this is, Oh, yeah. If your data sets aren't this big, you're just not going to run into these issues. 
Exactly. Yeah. The rose is really actually you don't even need the index. You have southern rose. Don't bother index. It's really fast. Yeah. Wow. Because our parallel scan is really fast. Really. So we do million row row segment compression, right? Right. Your row comes in one row at a time. So we kept we keep a, a delta row group. Okay. And uh, we have bitmap of update deletes because if every single row we try to do compression is too expensive. Yeah. So we keep the tail and the query op- optimizer know where the tail is. Right. So when you query, we'll scan the big ones, then we won't connect with the tail. That's amazing. Oh, that's, then that's you get brilliant. everything in real time. Very, very fast. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Uh, yeah. Coffee time? It's time to announce <laughs> that I tried to retrieve the joke that I wrote this morning. Oh, yes. This segment right here. Mm-hmm. But I got an invalid column reference <laughs> error. So I'm sorry. I don't have anything funny to say right now. You put spaces in your columns again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's actually time to give away a Sync Fusion Essential Studio to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But let me tell you what Richard and I like about Sync Fusion. They have over 650 components for web desktop and mobile applications, including great native Xamarin controls. And they even have enterprise solutions with a dashboard designer and big data platform. Best of all, they're affordable. It's one flat fee for everything. So everyone in the company, no hassle, no gimmicks, one license. And you really get every application with no restrictions. So check them out at syncfusion.com or look them up on Facebook to see how you can get started today. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Mike Hamilton. Congratulations, Mike. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for you, sir. <laughs> this is just something we do every stupid show. <laughs> Nothing anybody has to worry about. But uh, if you don't know what we just did here, you want to find out more, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. Because we have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree indeed to one lucky member of the dotnet rocks fan club which we've done five times something like that yeah speaking of five thousand dollars i noticed you have a macbook pro here at a windows conference yeah this turns out to be my favorite hardware for running windows 10 i love it which is what i'm running (laughs) awesome yeah and i don't have it you know i got it before the surface the surface boat i'm pretty happy with the surface boat so, you know, I'll get a Surface Book the next time they come out. Cool. Uh, that's how we're going to spend the money. Yeah, that's yes. right. So we like to ask our guest, Lindsay, if you had $5,000 to spend today on technology, what would you buy? Okay, is that for real? We're not going to give it to you. Oh. We're just asking the question. <laughs> we're going to give it to a fan, you know, in December, <laughs> yeah. and we like to give them suggestions. All right. But let's go shopping. What would you buy right now? So I would like to buy a cup of NVDIMMs. Micron makes them. Non-volatile okay. memory. Oh, these theorems. are the, the PCIe slot um, the, storage cards? No, the uh, DDR4 protocol with NVIDIA non-volatile memory chips. Oh, I see. And, and So you can turn the power off and they still retain their, their storage. Yes. Yeah. Imagine, imagine no. what application developer can do with that. Yeah, no more crazy. I.O., no more I.O. Somehow yeah. I knew you were going to go for storage. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so the lady with 24 terabytes of RAM. <laughs> Wow. So who's making these? So the uh, um, Intel's making them, right. and uh, I know there's a uh, Micron making them. There's, uh, I think, there's a number of uh, memory storage vendors making them. And so there's all sorts out there, and Code- they're DDR4. So this is RAM architecture, yes. but non-volatile. Yes, code NVDIM-N right now. 
And what? How, how many terabytes can you buy with five thousand dollars? Uh, I have a demo. I think the largest one is about sixteen gigabytes right, right. now. And uh, but there are technology HP going to going to release. I think here at some point. Yeah. And uh, can go up to a lot more. So uh, with the, these things as fast as regular RAM. It's at the DRAM speed. It's a DDR4 protocol, yes. So DDR4 RAM speeds, but non-volatile. You yes. thought your SSD was fast. Yes. What if I just gave you a RAM? Yes. Most SQL data hanging out in RAM most of the time anyway. There we go. Yeah. yeah. But here's here's the catch, right? So Windows released something called uh, SCM, right? Storage class memory. Right. This was the new world. Storage mm -hmm. class memory. There's two ways of using these, right? Since now the size is still pretty small, so even 16 gigabytes, uh, you you have only only so many DDR RAM slots, right? right? And uh, you want to use it efficiently. Use it as a store uh, I/O is not very efficient. You still go through the whole I/O code pass. You know right. the latency. You know all that goodness, right? Mm -hmm. You have to wait. You have to do asynchronous whatever. Goodness. All the goodness, right? Right. Then there's another interface called the DAX, byte addressable. Really, they are memory. Mm. So you just need to know this memory actually doesn't go away. Right. So imagine when you do your malloc, you write, you're done. Yeah. You don't have to. When your like, reboot is still there. It's like C. I know. For SQL Server. I, I've been told to don't use malloc anymore because nobody does. No, that. no. It's, it's kind of old-fashioned. <laughs> just shows how long you've been programming, too. <laughs> I was just doing the math in my head and thinking, okay, four sockets, six slots per socket, 24 slots. Uh, 16 gigs. So that's a 392 gigs of RAM, non-volatile. Yeah. That'd eh, be a few dollars. A few. <laughs> it's, yeah. So 5,000, I don't know how far that will go, yeah, but I'll buy as much as I can buy. Put a down payment. <laughs> down payment. You can use your house as equity as a backup. I, uh, I'm just thinking in terms of what's the price of 24 terabytes of RAM and how do you mount it? I don't, I, know. I don't know. I know either. it's expensive. Yeah. I know before when you actually with uh, with these large machines, be very careful with the density of your DIMM because you go you want to fully populate the memory bus right. right for performance. So if you start with sixteen gig, then you decide that you want to go up, you want to replace it with mm -hmm. thirty two or sixty four. It actually hurts your hands to take them out. <laughs> There's so many of them. There's too many. Yeah. Yes. And RAM is one of those things you really want to put in the slots one and, and never touch again. Yeah. Yes. They, they don't actually like going in and out that way. Yeah, unless they fail, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous. <laughs> I mean, my, the last time I built a SQL Server, and it's been a while, you yeah. know, I put a lot of stuff in the cloud these days. You should try more. Try yeah. The new ones. Yeah. The new, the new, the new hardware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of a geek sandwich. <laughs> Uh, I think we were running like 384 gigs of RAM, but, and, and, you know, those are the 64 gig, uh, DIMs. They're in pairs, yeah. right? And they're ECC, so they, they're expensive. It's, memory costs money. Oh, memory, normally it's the most ex expensive part of I, that. I agree. Yeah, of this machine. Yeah. Cause I don't feel like we're that processor constrained these days. Like right. the, the cores are fast enough. Yeah. This is more about, how much can you keep in memory so that you maintain that speed? You're not waiting on even an SSD. Yes. That's why lots of these improvements in relational database with beyond relational data types yes. is to try to actually use those CPUs. Right. You know, CPU, most time when it's not get used, is waiting on something. It's waiting on I.O. Mo yes, exactly. Yeah. Most of the time, it's waiting on I.O. Yes. Yeah, that's so, reality. So I have a question, which is... I'm. It's been my opinion, based on other people that I've talked to before now, yeah. that SQL Server or relational databases in general might not be the best 
storage mechanism for a large-scale IoT project where you need to save a lot of historical data. Um, just because of the, well, I don't know why. I guess it's because of the, the latency issues and the searching through bazillions of records. And, and um, I, yeah, I don't really know why. But, I mean, it, I, I'm seeing that with HTAP yep. and, you know, some of the new features of SQL 2016, my 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 mind is changing. Can and does this apply to SQL Azure as well? Sure. Yes. Um, so to answer your first product question, yeah. there's different kind of data. I think we said that discussed earlier, right? Lots of IoT data from sensors. You really don't want to stay uh, save them in the uh, uh, relational database. Yeah. Too expensive, right? right? Right. You lose a couple of events. Makes no difference. Right. Yeah. I worked with. Uh, um, uh, some of these um, shop floor management software, ISVs, lots of these sensor data, you really care about change. Right. Right, the temperature change, yeah. whatever pressure change, whatever you're measuring. So if you miss a few records, doesn't really matter. Those are not a good candidate to store them in a relational right. database. We literally try to save every single record, make sure it's consistent. Yeah. Right. You don't you're really taking need... a temperature measurement every second. Yeah. And the temperature doesn't change for an hour. It's a really lot of rows. To keep them, right? Yeah, you don't right. really need them, right? Yeah. And uh, for something like mail, that's another thing, right? Insert only, right. really, their files, mm -hmm. right? You, and you, you can store them anywhere, like uh, as as a regular file store, right? You said mail? Mails, yeah, oh. because it's a, it's a not mutable, right? right? It's not mutable data. You only append. Right. right? It's just so, a new mail. Just new mail, right? Yeah. So there are certain data... It's good for just regular, non-structured data. Right. But if for the data you actually want to do analytics, mm -hmm. especially you want to do some sort of machine learning in high speed, right? Right. If you have days to run something, that's fine. Go scan whatever, right? <laughs> if you want something fast and uh, you want a relational data to give you the ad hoc nature of things, right? right? Because there's a streaming as well. Streaming analytics, you actually have to know what... A, question you're asking yeah and right. uh, with relational you can run whatever you feels like right application so um we have this um uh, i'll give you an example okay uh, so we have a digital crime unit in microsoft mm -hmm. we're monitoring uh you know our network lots of things right on internet and in order for us to actually do the monitoring you, the attack pattern changes all the time you mm -hmm. cannot have just run same type of query you'll miss it Right. So they actually all the ingestion, the traffic ingestion goes to SQL Server in cloud, hmm. in actually into our in-memory database. We have a version of in-memory database. We don't actually persist the logs. We don't log. So hmm. it's really fast, but it's everything in memory. So you can ins insert into the memory, run the an analytics really fast. It's all structured. Yeah. And, uh, so you basically get most of what you want near real time, right? It still have to write into memory. Then so you're you're saying query. like every 30 seconds, you take 30 seconds worth of data and run analytics on it and whatever the changes or deltas are, you put that into a storage. Then the, yeah, it's more than we'll keep whole day. Yeah. Then the in, when the analytics done, the data got piped into a data warehouse. Right. 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 But more as deltas rather than, yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think the, the streaming comparison is very apt when I think about the like the problem around like credit card monitoring and yeah. so forth, where you just want to look at the data as it goes to look for particular events. Particular events, right? Yes. How do you express that in an HTAP? Is this some kind of query that's just like continuously running on everything that comes by? So here's a, here's a difference between streaming analytics and relational, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
So streaming actually have not much to do with database per se. Right. Yeah. Because it's more push and pull model, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Data is very raw at that point. Yeah. I, I actually love streaming because that's real, real time. Right. Sure. You don't have to write anywhere, right? Yeah. As long as it's before anything's socket, happened. Yeah, lend to a socket, you can actually run your link query against socket. Mm-hmm. We can you can have an adapter to the basically socket, right? And right. Run your query. So this is like the push model, right? Uh, with the relational database, it doesn't matter how fast you are, you're actually writing yes. to the disk. Then you pull out of it, right? right? And the advantage of pull out of it is you can you can run whatever query you feel like, sure, right? And the push model you actually need to know what question you're trying to ask, right? So that's the difference. Yeah, right? but yeah, I can see if I was if I was doing this without a database and I wanted to be alerted when the temperature went, you know, a change in temperature was you know more than ten degrees or whatever. Yeah, I'd keep a, sh- a history yep. of uh, you know I don't know how much maybe if it's ten degrees over a certain amount of time I want to yep. keep that many records in a queue, right? Or, you know, records of temperature. And then I can just do an analysis when the data comes in just with code. It's like water goes under the bridge, right? You're mm-hmm. standing right. on the bridge and see if something floating by, right? right. That's yeah. the streaming analytics. It's it's perfect for monitoring and, and alert, right? Mm. And if you want to do actual real analytics, you need data to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Second time you run query, you want data to be there. Right. But if for the water under the bridge, right. it's gone, it's gone. You can't right. get it back, right? It's not persistent. Well, I yeah. guess that's an interesting part about that is if you if you weren't running the right thing at the right time when the stream was running, you just don't see the event. Mm. Exactly. The database is capturing all the data, actually. There yes. is a post-facto opportunity. Yeah. I got to tell you, I had a chill when yeah. you were describing the process yeah. because it sounded disturbingly like a trigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. The, the streaming analytics? Yeah. Yes. No, no, the, the, the HTAP. The, oh, the yeah. Chef. You know, at the moment of write, yeah. then you can do something. Well, I, once upon a time, there was something a long time ago, I wrote triggers for that, right? On insert yes. and on update. Yes. Um, so we have a new name. We have background <laughs> process. It's not trigger. Trigger is the user-defined uh, functions, yes. right? It's also in the transactional stream. Like your yes, block, you the transaction is delayed while this is going on. Right. Yeah, you can do before trigger, after trigger, yes. and all this insert trigger mm-hmm. updates everything, right? And uh, so we we implemented uh, batch processing in the engine. Mm-hmm. And when now we have something called top of mover. Because we're really moving a tuple of things right. to the compress, right? So the tuple mover would do this one million row compression at a time right. asynchronously. So have minimum impact to your real thing. Well, it's still impact. And plus everything running on the same box. You yeah, need yeah. the CPUs, everything, right? Yeah. yeah. But I do like this idea that you're putting more weight on the CPU's effort. Yes. Working with memory than increasing stress on the I.O. Yes. Because that's our, that's our bottleneck. And not blocking. Yes. Yeah. Now blocking. So I, w- I went and did a, a calculation of uh, the 100 terabytes on four socket. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, because largest TBCH benchmark is 100 terabytes. Right. It's done on cluster. And if you ca- compute the efficiency of CPU, mm-hmm. we're like multi-factor uh, of fast and better than the cluster ones. Interesting. Because uh, think about the one terabytes in um, for socket have a really good performance. Right. We're really using the CPU. Yeah. We're not wasting them in spin lockers or the stuff. Right. right. Monitor and mo- yeah, monitoring a lot. Monitoring, that kind of yeah. Thing. So you've you've written this expression. You, you trap. You know, but you're back at the database. Like, how do you raise this up to the app, or is the app actually triggering the triggering the request on the right? I'm just thinking about the the flow here. Oh, uh, all of these are transparent to the app. Right. We're, we Internally, we monitor the size and the rows mm-hmm. and 
because we're a database, right? Yeah. We monitor everything. Sure. We may not write everything down, but uh, we got everything. So this isn't yeah. something you necessarily share with the user. They don't, unless, well, I'm open to share if there's a reason right. it's useful, right? It's not required. We don't see it's really useful. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to yeah. think of a solution, uh, yeah. situation, but... Uh, yeah. It's all, trans- really. it's all transparent, and right. your app just run faster. Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. You, yeah. if you want to notify somebody else that you know there's a situation here, that's a separate service. That's a separate yeah. problem. So would I write a client that's watching for data to show up in this particular location that might be related to, say, a fraud incident? Yeah. Um, if you want to do it on separate location, cannot yeah. access the server, you probably have to replicate again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I don't know how to distribute the data without replicating the yeah. data, right? Um, and uh, or you buy really giant server, Superdome, and uh, add a few proxies and get everything to lock to it. It's kind of like Richard's house. Let's <laughs> yeah. heat up your house, everything with big yeah, machines. He, he heats his basement with his server cluster. Yeah, there was a time. And uh, yeah. then uh, Windows actually 2016 launched the new feature called Storage Spaces Direct. Mm-hmm. That's a cluster shared volume, basically. And uh, you can build your cluster shared volume out of the DAS nodes. And uh, it's this hyper-converged storage, right? And uh, you can actually mount multiple hosts. It's the CSVs, right? right? Yeah. So and it's can, just dumb disks in an array, and storage server does all of the work to, to organize it. It does all the intelligence. Yeah. And on this disk, by the M.2s, you know, the new yeah. gum drive. The little, um, yeah, little strips. Yes, they're awesome. And Very fast. I got I got a one use server with 48 terabytes units screaming fast. Mm-hmm. I got one slice of the uh, um, space server um, or our telescopes, you know, Hubble telescope yeah. and uh, PS2, PS1. And uh, they're, uh, the query scanning, the entire thing, the, these are... Very wide tables, yeah, like six terabytes. How come you didn't ask for that in your five thousand dollar giveaway? (laughs) Five thousand is not enough. (laughs) (laughs) We did a show many years ago about the very large radio array. Yes, and because it was one of these titanic computing problems, it was a big data problem. It was like the biggest big data. One of the biggest data storage problems. And one of the points that they made was. Within the within the first week of operations, they were going to collect more radio telescope data that's been collected so far in the history of man. So why don't we just build out an infrastructure so that everybody can put their radio telescope data in the same place? Yes. yes. So this this is a, it's a, I think it's it's I don't know you call them radio telescope or whatever. These are telescope, and not uh, optical lens. Right? Yeah. Right, well, yeah. I mean, Hubble's an optical telescope. But right. There's these are there's the ra- optical ones. So there's no optical ones. Yeah. There's the radio ones. Yeah. And. Uh, so there's Hubble telescope. There's another two PS1, PS2 mm-hmm. um, sky survey data. Yeah, and uh, they actually get the lots of data coming in. They got it processed through machine learning, image recognition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then they all get stored in SQL Server. Actually, wow, this is sponsored uh, um, by a senator over in Hawaii. Okay, and because the two telescopes in Hawaii, wow. then they, with NASA, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they have an emergency response system. I would have the whole demo when we launched this. Wow. Yeah, that would be yeah. awesome. Yeah, the we actually did. You can find the, the uh, recording. That's great. And uh, so the uh, uh, in combination of uh, Survey the Sky and NASA have uh, emergency response system in case a big asteroid is going to hit us. Right. And uh, so you can monitor 
the object kind of important. is kind of important. <laughs> I'm not sure what we're going to do about it. Yeah. But at least yeah. we'll know it's coming. <laughs> right. where, does that, where does that notification message go to? The president? Yeah. 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 Oh, which, which president? Yeah. It's kind of a it won't even go there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of impacts everything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've talked about a few cases here, but do you, can you talk some of the stories that, of folks that are using HTAP? I'd love to hear an IoT related stories. I know you've got projects in mind. I do. Yeah. Right. So right now uh, we have a number of customers trying. Mm-hmm. I have a case study, mm-hmm. not quite IoT. I have it in my session. It's actually with Dell IT. Oh, yes. Uh, so I think every IT department, when you have thousand thousand of servers, mm-hmm. you have this problem monitoring them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a problem monitoring a dozen servers. If you were at home, right? (laughs) (laughs) So they collect a lot of telemetry Mm -hmm. and uh, they have these agents running on all their instances. They need monitoring the resource utilization application runs on it. Who is using what? All that good stuff, right? Right. So they they used to do this traditionally and it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, data get collected. The collecting process from all the nodes come to central location, take hours and hours sure. to load. And actually, I think it takes more than six hours. Mm. And then after there, you turn it, right? You aggregate. So then somebody, analyst, can actually look, look wow. at it. This takes like eight, nine hours. And uh, they changed everything into in-memory and HTAP. Right. So the HTAP, because we have three engines, we have in-memory row store, on-disk row store, mm-hmm. and the column store. Column store works ba- both row stores, in-memory and on-disk. And so they change all the data ingestion with uh, in-memory row store. Right. That's our um, mm-hmm. digital crime units uses as well. Then after the data loaded, they build column store on top, do the analytics. So okay. power their Power BI. So wow. everything will what be done solution. in 40, 40, 50 minutes. Yeah. Instead of uh, like whole day. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. 15 minutes versus eight, nine yeah, hours. Five zero. Uh, 50 oh, minutes. 50. Yeah. So under an hour. Still. Under an hour. used to be eight hours. Yeah. And, uh, That's a pretty good improvement. That's a yeah. great improvement. Now they can actually add more data points. Right. Say, oh, this is going. Let's make th- the problem worse. Let's oh, yeah. collect more data. <laughs> you know how it is, right? No. Nope. Murphy's, Murphy's law. No, there was a law that all. All computing yes. space will be Consumed. filled. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. Know Data will expand to fill all available storage space. That's the one. Right? Computing yes. problems will be expanded to consume all available compute cycles. That's right. Absolutely. We're going there, yeah. <laughs> right. you're, doing, you're facilitating the problem. I, guess, and, I imagine that was the problem. More you know, insight. With, when Microsoft was shipping versions of Office that were going to ship on CD-ROM and it only took up so much. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's not enough. To gotta justify, fill it up. you know, a whole CD-ROM, we're going to have to make a lot more features. Yes. And one more thing is not HTAB. I just want to mention it. I don't know sure. if you'll run out of time. Uh, we're actually working with container very closely. Containers? Yes. Uh, so Windows have containers. Yes. Well, right now we only run on Windows, right? Yeah. Our, we do. We have a version on Docker container. That's our uh, Linux version. Yeah. And uh, uh, not, not publicly available yet. But we have a publicly available version of a SQL Server a Windows container. Interesting. It's in Docker Hub right now. And since since the uh, container doesn't allow you to do these license, what are very complicated, so we put out uh, just the SQL Express and the de- developer version. There's no, it's free, right? Yeah, there's no license yeah. involved in that. Yeah. We, we talked about this on the show before. Um, containers for databases is a good idea for getting them up, but you really don't want to take them down. You, I mean, uh, for developers, great, right? Not right. for yeah, not sure. for deployment. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, the instance of the of the database service or the server is fine. It's where is the data Where's store? The data like, store can we separate the two in a way that we have the data safely stored and reliable, even if we're changing the instance that connect, that attaches to it? Good right. Point. So the good thing with SQL Server is we're really good with storage. Yeah. Right? Mm. So you can start up instance. You can attach any database. Database can be somewhere else. Right. You just need to attach the files. Yeah. Well, and it's also when you think about clustering or okay when i think about clustering, yes, yeah that's a, you really are talking about two instances of a server trying to share a common storage space right so that one fails the other picks it up and keeps going yes yes so yeah. with a sql you can do that mm -hmm. with a container not yet right because it's a uh, um so sql server uh, clustering or always on right now with right. windows server 2016 and a windows server 2012 r2 support uh, um non-domain join the cluster. Right. But you still have to go through a certification process, login. Right. And uh, so it doesn't work with container right now. But with regular installation, you can do silent install. It's you a, can create a cluster without domain. Yeah. Right. I wonder if our hard link would work. No. That's, <laughs> hard link. That's crazy talk. That'd be confusing. SQL Server like to lock things up. Yeah. We got a file. We don't want anybody to know. No, no sharing. No, no, no. sharing. <laughs> it wants all the memory and all the storage. What do you mean I can't access this file? <laughs> what is this, access? Nice. But well, I do see a future then. Yeah for a Docker container. Yes. And especially having multiple. So it, it does seem to make sense to me sometime in the future, we could be clustering this. Yes. We could set up failover strategies for yes. this, and we would have common store for that, possibly remote. Like There is a path forward here. Yes. Mm -hmm. We're working on that. Mm -hmm. we, we're working on a clustered uh, uh, shared storage, non-shared, probably it's not going to share storage or share storage. I don't know what we're going to do, but not going to be based on Windows cluster. Right. Going to be based on other fabric, and uh, we will have HA and scale-out solution with, uh, with the uh, Linux version. I think it makes a lot of sense. Very yes. powerful stuff. Yes. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, Lindsay yes, Allen. Sure. It's very, very, uh, very esteemed, very awesome conversation. Oh, and we will see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and of course in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 